Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Liberty Librarian. This is your host, Heather Biederman. And it looks like everything is recording. Everything is working on TalkShoe this time. I'm super excited. So let's see if this can we can get this show going. I hope you're having a good Monday. I know last week it was sort of a fiasco for uh, getting everything recorded. And I apologize sincerely. And uh, my cat Rory is sitting right next to me trying to dig into everything and uh, be a nuisance. So hopefully we uh, don't crash out because of cat problems this, this week, because last week is all technology. So I feel like nature is probably next, right? So, okay, Rory, yes, he's, he wants to be the star of the show and he's very demanding and angry that it's not happening. So. I am so glad that we're here. It looks like everything is working. I am so, like, my fingers are all crossed. My toes are crossed. Everything's crossed. Cross, cross, cross. So, last week, let's see. I want to bring you up to speed. We're, I'm switching to a brand new radio station. How exciting. It's a Freedom Revolution Network, and it is started by uh, my good friend, and female run and I'm very excited. We're um, doing a lot of construction right now to get everything perfect for you. Um, obviously, there's always a little bit of growing pains and uh, headaches in trying to get the technology side set up. And I am brand new to all of this. So if you have tips on how to get uh, <laughs> some of these uh, blog sites to work together, that would be awesome. I'm gonna have to do some more training before I feel like I'm a pro at this. Uh, one of the things I'm working on also is to try to um, incorporate it into my Heather Biederman blog. You know, I don't do much with it because WordPress is confusing. And some of the things I thought that it came with, it doesn't look like. So I may be switching out of what I have. So down the road, I may just get a whole new web uh, host because WordPress is just a pain in my butt. But I am hopeful that we can get everything to kind of work together. Another thing that I'm thinking about uh, today, I mean, like on my lunch break, I set this up, but I, I'm trying to set up a YouTube live streaming and it's supposed to work with TalkShoe. So I'm not sure if I'm going to be really keen on doing uh, video posts very often especially when I have crazy cats that want to be the center of attention and you get, maybe it's more entertaining, throw cats into it. It will be solid gold, who knows, but I'm looking at that. Um, and then this site um, is kind of connected to a site called Zeno. So I'm going to see after today, if it's actually worked, it's, it was scheduled there and try to figure out how to link it all together. And on the Zeno site, they have Facebook live. 
So I've been really keen to try um, some of the live streaming stuff to see if it works. So fingers crossed, I'm really hoping that it all works for you. I'm, I'm excited about it. Um, what else am I, you know, uh, some of it is just weird, like you just getting used to new technology takes time. And I always thought I was pretty smart at technology, but you know, whenever it's something brand new and you're out of your comfort zone, then it seems a million times harder. And then on top of that, you're trying to be charming and interesting and talk in complete sentences that make sense for people listening. And when things go terribly wrong, it's just really hard to be cool, you know? So I'm hoping that this episode, we can at least get some good quality time in together. And uh, I was gonna try to re-record the last show last week, but it, you know, it's been so crazy, you know, it, we've got lots of family obligations and work has been, you know, a bear, but, and, and, you know, I'm not independently wealthy where I can just make podcast radio shows all the time. And I wish I could. Um, let's see, how do I do this? I see a post. I can see you. It is you. Um, can I go live on Zeno as well? All I have to do is click go live on that broadcast studio. I will do that. Thank you, friend. Let's see if I can do that right now. See, this is this is all new to me. I'm so glad you sent that. And I'm really glad there's chat features in it. Okay, so, oh, I have one question for you. Um, is it the green studio or is it the one with the new logo? Yeah, this is the confusing part. We're, we're working out the bugs. Dual cast, that's really good. Okay, I'm going to assume it's the one with the new logo. I'm looking. Accounts. This one. It's making some weird noise. Let's see. So broadcast studio. Here we go. I'm going to hit go live. See if it works. Connecting. It's so interesting for you listeners, I'm sure, to hear my... And welcome back to Liberty Librarian. This is Heather Biederman, your host, and we are trying to work out technology things for us. And we are dual casting on TalkShoe and on Xeno Media. So I think that worked. Um, if if my uh, friend online can send me a message to see if I they hear me now, that would be awesome because I don't really want to be playing sound. I'm doing it on my computer, so it's always a little weird. You can't quite hear that. So I'm going to be watching that and seeing if I can see uh, some information there. So anyway, what else is going on? This is November, right? And I am doing uh, NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month. And I am very excited to get uh, my novel started. I'm very behind already. I'm really bummed about it. But, you know, it's not super surprising um, every year. I really mean to kick butt and take names at uh, getting all my word counts up. But um, I've been really focused on, uh, you know, doing quality writing instead of speedy writing, which kind of sucks for uh, a competition, right? But uh, I have a really good outline. And I think that's the difference between this year and other years. So once I kind of get blazing, I think it's going to be really good. Um, 
just to give you can't call into my show. I don't know how to do that. Um, maybe I set it up wrong. Let's see. Participants. Let's see. I mm, have three. Do you want me to try call in now? Let's see. It's it's weird because I have chat on one screen and then that. So I'm going to click on them. What is this moderator? No. Let's see that. Unmute all. How about I unmute all? Let's try it. If there are many, uh, we're going to do it. Ooh. Okay. Can you, is it, um, are you trying to call in on the talk shoe or are you trying to call in on the um, Zeno? Because I don't see how that works together. Let's see. There we go. This is just a really weird show. Hello. So anyway. I am. Right? Yeah, I don't know how this is going to work. So try, keep trying. Try to call in. I, I, I made it so it's open to that, I think. But I don't really know how to work it on TalkShoot. So I definitely need to have some more training and to, to get that together. Um, and if it doesn't work, we'll just like go through the show. Oh, I see, I see names. Let's, I don't know how to get everybody in. So yeah, that sucks. Sorry, guys. I'm looking at it. It would be really cool. And I see, I see nothing on the Xeno side of um, people calling in either. So I'm, I'm guessing the talk shoe is where it's at. Oh, there you are. Hello. How do I do that? Do I click you? Hi. Is it working? It's amazingly weird. I see Scarlett on here and I don't know why I can't get her to talk. If I'm unmute all again, unmute all. See? Hello. Goodness. It makes me so sad. I can't figure out why I can't talk to anyone. Oh, well, I'm going to leave it open, but um, if anybody just comes on in, start talking and we'll see. I don't know if I'm, I tried clicking on people and it doesn't let me do anything. I see, I can't, I'm not going to switch you to be moderator and I'm not blocking you. So it's just weird. And it says left call. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. It's very odd. So I'm going to just like start talking, right? Because Technology is going to take some time to get used to. It's just so weird, isn't it? Hmm. Anyway, so we, we got like all of this stuff going on. We got NaNoWriMo. We have new channels. We have new technology. I feel like my brain is made of syrup too. And we got family stuff going on. But anyway, the world keeps moving, right? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the intellectual freedom news and then we're gonna talk about vampires and elections. So I hope you hang around for a little bit, even though we have a odd 
odd stuff going on with technology and that, but I'm going to do my best. And I'm going to pick up this cat who's being naughty right now. You go. Yes, you. Okay. So I saved some of the news from last week and I got some new news. So it's a variety. Um, one of the news this week that I just heard about was um, Google, you know, the big tech giant, Google, Google. Um, they bought Fitbit. Now, Fitbit, you know, is like a, a turf for exercise and uh, sleep and, you know, I always felt like they were pretty trustworthy with how um, they protected your data. But what I'm worried about is now that Google purchased the health tracking device company, they spent $2.1 billion. And um, people are very concerned, including myself, about how users' data will be used. Um, and Google um, had in their announcement, they said on Friday last week, that privacy and security are paramount to the company. Google promised to be transparent. Ooh, I see somebody. Hello. Anyway. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi, Heather. This is your friendly we might have a little manager bit. here. Wonderful. I'm glad that we got a call to work. I was just I'm like, yes, I don't know it I'm was it was really a struggle because I had to pick a different call in number to be able to call in. So why I was calling was if you could pop over to Zeno real quick and hit go live, people will be able to call in mm -hmm. a bit easier because we can't call in on the number that's provided by the episode. I had to go in and change the country and do all that, and then that's how I made it to you. And I'm like, well, if I had to do all that to make it to you, everybody else is going to have a hard time to make it to you too. Well, this is so weird because I so, clicked go live there and then it went away. And I think I had this problem then last it went time away. on it. I'm, yeah, because I, I really announced when I saw it went on and now it's it's mm -hmm. just says go live again. So I don't know why it would hang up, but I'm going to try it right now. I'm going to click connect. Try it right now, just to see. Because this is what we're trying to get yep. the kinks out of so that we can have um, just a better experience. Otherwise, we have to plug in the numbers individually before every show if we're using talk to so just a little bit of like semantic stuff inside baseball for everyone i hope you're enjoying the program but we're trying we're trying we're trying but the technical issues have just been like the crux of our beginnings but we've almost got all the kinks worked out besides this one yes i know it and i'm getting i feel like it's getting closer Last week, I had some uh, settings on TalkShoe that were preventing anything from recording, too. And I think now it... I had that issue, too, the week before that. Me and Ron were struggling on air for a while. It was, it was horrible. We tried. We did the best we could. I told everybody, just, just work with us during this transition, and we'll love you more for it in the end. Exactly. And, I, and the thing that makes me happy this time is um, I, I thought I was recording because I was talking. And then I see now there's a red button on TalkShoe that says live streaming audio for 15 minutes. So, yeah. And how many people are there? So I know it's recording. And, I, why is it and the one nice thing is for our hearing impaired listeners, um, these are all transcripted. So we can be able to put out an, an episode with a transcript for people um, who otherwise haven't been able to ever listen. Exactly. I love that. 
I, I'm really, I'm trying to think of ways to make it some more, much more inclusive. And I, I'm looking at different options. So that way people can follow along. I'm still trying it. It's like it, it, it had an error message and I'm like, I turned off mm -hmm. one of my. If you know I, what the error message is, screenshot it at times too, um, because I'm then we can let them know because it could be like an internal bug. That's what I'm wondering. And I They're really off, helpful. I often use a VPN, but I turned it off just to see if that helps. Nope. And it says something went wrong. Please refresh the page. Try again. Air code one zero zero six. I'm going to screenshot 1006. it right now. No. I have I have I have Melissa on my other phone while we're trying to like war game this. And I was like, I'll just call in. I never interrupt anyone's show, but I want her to know. So if you want to, I will start sharing um, the sh the number link and all that mm -hmm. so people know where to find you. Because if they go to the website right now, they're not going to find you. They're only going to no. find you through your talk shoe number link. Oh, I figured. Oh, that's such a bummer. Yeah, I'm, see, because Dino is hooked up to our permanent number. But we have a way around this as well that we'll talk about so that in the future we don't have to deal with this. It's just a simple application that we add. Um, and then it's like an open phone line for us. So then okay. no matter what, all we would have to do is basically, you know, start a call. So we're going to try to get around this so that we have multiple ways that we're getting out there so that if one way is down, there's five other ways to listen, and it's not going to be difficult for us to start. It's going to be a, a click button. Oh, I like that. I, I just feel like yes, uh, that, that's coming. expertise in this, and then it's so new you know and everything seems to be going wrong for me <laughs> but it, it well and it there. seems like for us too so but it the hardest part has been making these technologies talk to one another so that's been like a new experience for us so like that's something like different like for instance you're talking about vampires tonight they didn't have to worry about this technology okay this was not in no. the lexicon <laughs> they did not have to worry about how things spoke to each other and how the, the programming works and i'm not a coder so i know nothing about this so we're working on it we're trying to get it there but i wanted to let you know that yes you can be heard because I was able to make it in, but people have to call the talk shoe number. That way they can call in with you live. Otherwise, check out the replay on freedomrevolutionnetwork.com. That's right. And I will tell you, um, for a second there, I got the Xeno to work, and then it crashed out. So it went, I mean, that, not mm. totally crashed out. From, it but, went okay, to, that's good to know, because we might need to let them know that, because it could be like some internal bug. They're really good about wanting to know what's happening so they can go in and fix it, because it's still technically a beta mode. So if that uh, makes sense, so there could be something that is actually being caught up in the coding that we just don't know about, and until we tell them, they can't fix it. So that these are the things we want to know. Um, just so we can tell them we had a host, you know, during a show, try to hit it 12 times, much like I did, and we never <laughs> got through. So, uh, we've, and we have one other platform, too, that we haven't introduced to you guys that could be, like, okay. the answer to all of our problems in one. So we're, we're working on different ways. We're making it work. We're going to make it accessible as possible. But there is a way to listen to the show and right now, and there is a way that you'll be able to listen to it afterwards. So just be, <laughs> be patient with us. I, it's hard, you know, I feel like everything is just like falling, you know, into place, but at the same time, the last few threads need to just get tied in a beautiful bow. 
Exactly. We will get there. I'm not. I'm not worried. We will get there. So, a little bit. Well, it makes and you panic people. during a live show. Yeah. It's oh panic. my gosh. Yeah. For me, it's panic. <laughs> yeah, it's panic. This is pandemonium and panic, and I'm just like, oh, my show's live. I can't do anything. I, I, I don't know what to do. Everybody just work with me. So last show, there's been lots of apologizing. So, you know, maybe we'll try to do something nice for the listeners or something so they can, they've been dealing with our crap. You know, we can maybe find something to do for them. So I, I'm thinking about options because I'm thinking about how easy it needs to be for everyone to listen as well as for our hosts to just stay with us and, you know, stay tuned for all your intellectual freedom and content and more. Yes, thank, so thank you. you, Heather. I just wanted to let you know that and let you know you can be heard, but I'll go around and spread spread the love on the number so people can call in and, and get a hold of you thank if they like. You. Thank you so much. I no appreciate problem. It. You have a good night. You too, honey. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. So now, I think we're kind of... We're, we're making things work. I'm going to try one more time on Zeno. I just don't, yeah, it, it, I keep getting error messages. I'm so sorry, but at least I'm getting this one recorded. So I feel pretty confident. At least I'm going to have something to show. Gosh, you guys must think this is the weirdest show ever, right? Um, at least you're going to hear it this time. The last time it was me like having like, uh, gosh, what is it? You know, like the elevator hold music um, that's going on in the background. I couldn't get to stop. Oh, it made me nuts. So this week is much better. Even though I can't get the Zeno to come on, at least, you know, we have options here. So that's pretty cool. I'm going to have to figure out, um, I'm going to mute everyone right now. But if I see you on here, um, send me a chat. So yes, yeah, send me a chat. And yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. We'll see how that works. I'm going to have to figure out how to turn off that lady's voice. I think she's quite annoying. I mean, it's helpful to know it's working, but at the same time, oy. okay, where was I, right? Oh, I derailed myself. Um, okay, so Fitbit. Fitbit is, uh, you know, I wear a Fitbit. So this is something that kind of freaks me out a bit is that um, Google has acquired them. And um, they've been purchasing over 200 companies lately in the last 15 years, um, like YouTube. Ways Nest Labs and Nest Labs, I think, are the ones that make the the house um, connectivity stuff, like um, like connecting your heat to the internet and your door and your doorbell and all of that. So that's kind of terrifying too. So they're trying to get really interconnected into your household, and they have more than 124,000 Android devi devices that are using their services in the U.S. Um, and they provide Google vast amounts of personal data from which it can profit. Oh, there's a weird like little noise every so often. I wonder if that's when people are trying to talk. I don't see anything though. So, and it says that um, health data is the most valuable information of all. That's why you need to be very careful with um, accepting apps that are health benefit kind of things. Like we had talked uh, a few episodes ago about um, women tracking their menstrual cycles on apps and that um, some of the companies were abusing this data because um, it had a lot of personal info in it and, and no one would have thought that they would abuse it. Um, but they do. 
and not, and not all of them do, and maybe Google won't, but it is uh, very hard to say what they're going to do with it. And it says um, the pharmaceutical companies could use data to decide in which disease research they would invest their resources. So that could be good for profitable new drugs. And third party businesses that purchase the data could also infer health based behaviors and market their products accordingly. So they're using every last drop of your personal info to try to um, make a little bit more money off of you and everyone in general. But Fitbit's privacy policy prohibits the sharing of any identifiable information to prevent things like insurance companies denying patients health, health coverage or charging them a higher premium or charging people lower premiums because they use it. But um, that would be a good side of it. But research has shown that even anonymous information can be easily re-identified. You know, they um, anonymize your data because they don't want uh, them to not figure it out. But if you were tied to IPs and location, they can narrow it down to who it is. So it's not that hard to figure out. If you had a good AI program, uh, you could really work around that which is scary. But Google's um, advocates say that Google and other tech companies need to prove that only a small percent, if any of the data they release, can be rematched with individual users. And the threat of re-identification has led to privacy advocates to question the motives of companies that create health apps and have not been proven to improve health. Like, what are, what are they used for? Is it actually improving health? And I will say, as an aside, I do feel like anything that tracks your steps is helpful to people in, you know, getting moving. And I like to see how much I've been sleeping, but I don't want other people to know that. I, I think that it needs to be something that's locked down. So what may be coming out is um, other apps that are um, not tied to internet that uh, mine data in any way. We will see. So, Apple has a health app and there was a rift between Apple and Fitbit when it launched in 2014 that collects data and um, about use through phones, iPhones and Apple watches because that was our product. And they said the company said the data is encrypted and not used for business purposes. And people use apps like Fitbit on their iPhones, however, are still subject to those companies privacy policies, not Apple's, which might allow data sharing. So Fitbit was pretty trustworthy on it for a long time. And I'm not sure now if anything has changed or will change. But it is something in the back of my mind. Um, so privacy policies changing, that could be a big sign of um, something that you can opt into or opt out of. Usually they don't change it. Um, consumers who've already purchased a Fitbit and don't like the new privacy policy are likely to be out of the money they paid for the device. So, and a lot of them cost around $200 for brand new high-end ones. Um, com tech companies are saying, if you have a problem with this, don't use it. And I think there needs to be something that, um, there need to be consumer advocacy groups looking out for people, um, you know, because once you've purchased it, I feel like you've agreed at the point of purchase to what the the privacy you know once you start using it but i feel like it's a bait and switch where they you know, oh we changed our privacy policies because we got bought out 
And now um, we're gonna share it with everyone. I feel like you shouldn't be able to do that as a company. I think that you should, uh, I think that the people who use a product should be, have a little more protection. That's scary to me. And laws aren't keeping up with the technology. So consumer reports, um, patient privacy rights and other groups say that tech companies are given too much leeway when it comes to data collection and sharing. They advocate for stronger federal privacy laws. So without the baseline laws, consumers have only to rely on the policy practices of any company they're getting along uh, involved with. So there's um, Europe, however, has a GDPR. It's a general data protection regulation. And it has forced some US companies that operate in Europe to strengthen their data privacy laws. And also in California, they have the Com California Consumer Privacy Act, which is set to take effect next year. So you're going to see a lot more changes. It's slow, but um, I'm feeling like it, it's such an important issue that people really need to start thinking about how all these apps that you use and your computers and uh, things in your house, how are they um, collecting data from them? Are they are they abusing your data? You need to be thinking about this. Um, medical devices in hospitals, and we've talked about this, that they're insecure and people can hack them. Uh, your data needs to be locked down. And I'm. you need to have companies be trustworthy in that they are protecting it because I feel like it's almost like your landlord, you know, you're, like you rent your place, you have an apartment or whatever, and they just let people walk in and take what they want. Like, yeah, like they may own the house, but you pay to like to protect it. And there's that um, implied trust that, you know, they're not gonna just let people in and they're not supposed to come in and look around and root through your things because that's your place. There's an agreement. So I feel like, you know, your data, um, you know, you, you even have more right to your data because you paid for a product or um, you know you you like a fitbit in this case or you know the rental would be very close to what facebook would be where you know they may imply that your payment is the right to kind of look through your windows every so often and see what you're up to so I still feel like they need to do everything, everything they can to protect you. So that's something I've been thinking about. Um, federal legislators are um, are already on it. They're looking at the Google acquisition of Fitbit by calling for stricter enforcement of existing privacy regulations. Um, and there, you know, like I, I work with people and there are tons of people at my work who have something like a Fitbit. And um, I would guess at least half of them have a Fitbit that are wearing a device like that. It's very popular. And um, honestly, we get kind of competitive with uh, how many steps you have. But maybe the only safe way to go is old school little clicker ones that um you know you move back and forth and it and it registers it's really everyone loves the convenience including myself of um, having it go to your apps so you can uh, you know like if you're trying to lose weight or get into shape everyone likes to have that and go look i'm i'm working towards it every day 
I did, I met my goals. And, and, you know, that's a, it's human, you know, it's our hearts are all into this in the right way, but people like these big businesses are taking advantage of that very human side of us trying to improve ourselves. So it's not good news right now, but um, I wanted you all to be aware that Google bought Fitbit and we're going to keep an eye on it. And you know me, I'm going to keep a very close eye on it and we'll probably be talking about it again soon. But that's one of my news things. Gosh, I feel like I'm trying to look at how much news we have considering we were working out these technology things and um, which works better. Um, here's another interesting one. Twitter. You know, you might have heard about this recently. Twitter uh, blocked all their political ads globally starting in November. And I think that's quite interesting with uh, this next year being a big election year. And, you know, we'll talk more about elections later. But um, so Twitter might be the president's favorite platform because he loves to just shoot the breeze with everyone and be the most unprofessional president ever because he likes to just say whatever like everyone's fake news and blah 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 you know i don't know sometimes you kind of wish that on one hand that he would have somebody that would stop him from doing that but on the other hand it is endless entertainment for everyone so i'm sure that's why they let him keep doing it um next month um, starting next month, elected officials and candidates alike are going to have to make sure that all the traffic comes organically. That's because they won't be allowed to pay for political advertising. So you're not going to see lots of crap out there. Um, so Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey has apparently taken a look at the controversy currently embroiling Facebook and decided he wants no part of it. Um, he said, we made the decision to stop all political advertising on Twitter globally, Dorsey announced naturally in a tweet. He framed his choice as an opportunity for everyone with a message rather than a penalty adding a political message <coughs> earns reach. Pardon me, I'm getting a tickle. Um, when people decide to follow an account or retweet, paying for reach removes that decision, forcing highly optimized and targeted political messages on people. We believe the decision should not be compromised by money, which I kind of agree with, but there's a big but there. <coughs> oh, sorry, guys. I'm gonna take a little break for a second. There it is. So, Twitter. It's a ban, um, but it's also a freedom of speech kind of ban. And it limits how political candidates can reach out to people. But they're paying. And you'd think that on one hand, Twitter likes to make money, but um, the richest candidates are the ones that can pay to have their view on an issue promoted. So they're really trying to 
um, make it so it levels the playing field a bit more. I think that that on its one hand, it, it's it helps a little bit. Um, and they game the systems, and he mentions that, uh, for instance, it's not credible for us to say we're working hard to stop people from gaming our systems to spread misleading info. But if somebody pays us to target and force people to see the political ad, well, they can say whatever they want. Wink. So it isn't about free expression, he says. It's about paying for reach. And paying to increase the reach of political speech has significant ramifications on today's democratic infrastructure may not be prepared to handle. It's worth stepping back in order to address. So, oh, says my internet dropped the call, but it looks like it's still recording. So, phew, that's weird. I'm hoping it's still going. So, I'm looking at it. it looks like it's still recording. That was a little bit of a blip. <clears throat> so, there's a direct challenge about with posts and advertisements by politicians and CEO um, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook has repeatedly doubled down on his company's position amid a firestorm of criticism from lawmakers, political candidates, and even employees. Um, uh, there's a lack of fact checking on political advertisements um, and lying is back, bad, but I think if you're going to lie, that would be bad. But from one hand, one person may think it's a lie and another person may think it's not a lie at all. So who do you trust? Um, I really think that sometimes you need to have a forum where people can say what they think. And sometimes an unpopular opinion may end up be becoming the truth later. And I think that we need to have, uh, especially in political discourse, you need to have uh, both sides of issues and three sides of an issue, four sides of an issue. You know, honestly, there need, there's a lot of opinions out there. And just because somebody disagrees with you doesn't mean it's a lie either. So I, that's where I worry about it. Um, who's deciding um, what speech is not going to work? And I think uh, it's this is kind of leading towards uh, political parties won't have any place for them on uh, social media, which is too bad, especially for smaller parties. Um, and they'll find other ways. And I mean, I get phone calls like during the big election years, every, it seems like every time I get home, there's phone calls nonstop. There's stuff hanging on my door. There's things in my mailbox from a lot of times from uh, political parties I don't even belong to and uh email and text and it, it's getting to be too much you know and i think part of me feels like yes it's nice to just have it be like a genuine flow of information and not um like inundated uh with robotic calls and information targeting me but this is a free country and i know that uh especially the political parties are going to fight this because they want to have their voices heard and they want to get their way and big money gets their way usually so i'm surprised it didn't work for them but um it reminds me have you guys watched uh the show silicon valley uh, send me a note on my liberty librarian facebook if you do um i missed this week's episode but i have it on my queue to watch this week 
Um, it's a nice short little show. Every every week it's about 30 minutes. And it's on HBO. And what else? It's about uh, a bunch of guys that start a company called Pied Piper that, um, you know, they're looking at making apps. They're looking at making a new internet. And it's really subversive about um, some of the evils of tech companies and the abuses that go on. And it's really cool social commentary. And it's my cup of tea because uh, a lot of intellectual freedom stuff comes up again and again and um, the abuse of power by tech companies. And one of the things this last, this first episode of this season, they talked about um, having a free internet, um, free of people being data mined. And this company started with the help of uh, a partner company and the partner company guy said, well, you're talking to Congress and you said that no company should do data mining and uh, bro, I do data mining. Um, it's not like I do it for their, you know, use their private data, but um, we use it to improve software. That's what he said. And they go, uh, is it in the headsets? Yep. Is it on the computer stuff? Yep. They can listen into conversations. They, it's constantly on. And he was so upset that um, he and one of the, his coworkers made a AI tracking uh, to prove him wrong. And what it did was it uh, showed when he was out doing drugs or having sex with a coworker's wife and all the bad things he was doing um, just by, you know, his voice and where he was and his um, device and tying it to him. And the guy, he goes, well, and we see on your, your calendar, because we hacked that too through this, that um, you have a board meeting in like five minutes. So, you know, you should tell them that you're going to stop doing data mining and the guy left and all of the people in the board meeting were cheering and they like storm in because they what the heck why why are you guys so happy about it and it's because they were like we're going to be so rich we can use data like we can use private data mine stuff that's supposed to be anonymous to figure out who people are and track them and uh make tons of money off of it. And it, it reminds me of how a lot of these people that get into businesses like this have good intentions and their hearts are in the right place, like the Pied Piper guys. But if anybody twists stuff to make money, then it ends up growing into things that uh, they never intended. They never wanted it to be about um, stealing uh, privacy from people. And I think it'll be interesting to see, I haven't watched this week's episode, but um, just where it's going, you know, um, it's a huge issue right now. And, you know, this is why I started this show is because I want to protect privacy. I want to protect people's data. And it's really interesting to see a, a huge show on HBO that's very popular uh, 
covers this kind of topic. So it's not like it's just the us tinfoil hat people out here going, oh, they're all listening all the time. No, it's real. It's real. And if we don't do something now, it's going to be so out of control. We're going to live in like Big Brotherville, like 1984, baby. They're going to like know everything you're up to. They're going to, you know, you'll have something, you'll say a bad word and you'll get a, a voice from your uh, Alexa or whatever you have that's like, um, you have a demerit. It can't be you saying those words or you can't say anything negative about the president you know like where does it stop where does it ever stop so i worry about that constantly so watch watch silicon valley it's a really good show and there each episode is just under 30 minutes so it's pretty easy to binge it um hbo if you have it or um, a lot of times uh, we don't have cable but you know we we check out HBO for a period of time, watch a bunch of shows, and then turn it off. Um, the other one that I'm interested in right now is The Watchmen, and that one is bonkers. Bonkers. And I haven't watched the episode. Yeah, we had like family stuff all weekend, so kind of gets into all of my TV watching and my writing for NaNoWriMo, so there you go. Okay, so i got a couple more things in the news. Let's see, what am I interested in that I'll share with you? Then I want to switch to vampires. Um, there's a controversial copyright bill. Um, I'm going to follow this a little bit more. Um, it's kind of interesting. It's called uh, the Case Act. Um, critics are saying that this could penalize ordinary Americans as much as $30,000 for something as simple as photo sharing while also emboldening, emboldening copyright trolls. So um, what they, what the, the point of this law, this case act, was that they wanted to have a copyrighted alternative in Small Claims Enforcement Act of 2019. So they, they want to make it instead of um, like artists and, uh, and you know, writers and whatnot, creative folks. Um, instead of having them go to actual court, they want to have a way to pursue infringement claims um, through a, what do you call it, a claims board, a copyright claims board. So you want to make it very easy for people to put in a complaint against someone. Um, but it can backfire. And um, they say that Claimant financial damages can go up to $15,000 per work infringed or a maximum of $30,000 per proceeding, not counting attorney's fees and other costs. So if you're on a receiving end of a claim, the bill now gives you 60 days to respond and failure to do so rewards a default judgment to the claimant. So how are they sending out notices? I mean, is it one notice? How do you even know what it looks like? So if you don't answer a claim, you could be out of $30,000. $30,000. That could bankrupt people. And a lot of times, and I'm going to say this, is um, I had helped um, do some web, uh, web work and uh, writing for a a news site a long time ago 
And once we had a photo of someone that we thought it was their photo that they had rights to it because they provided it. Um, but um, this person, and we had used it once, and um, uh, there was a uh, crime that was committed by this person. And so we used the photo again. And this time the photographer said, um, I want you to take that down. I own it and I do not give you permission. We took it right down, didn't argue with it. But um, what about people who might miss it? And, and I was, I'm always very careful to try to use art that I think is copyright free. Um, and I, I try really hard, but I know there are um, websites that take people's art and post them on other sites saying they're copyright free and they had no right in the first place to, you know, spread this information around this uh, work around. And I can see somebody making an honest mistake and then missing an email. I don't know how they're, if they're sending you an official letter, um, they're sending someone a person, calling you? How are they contacting you? How many times do they have to contact you before um, it's acceptable? Like that you, they know you've heard this. And then if you don't get back to them in 60 days, then they actually, they just get the money. That's, that's bonkers. That's a lot of money for them to just get. It's not like a traffic ticket where you might be out a hundred bucks, 200 bucks, and it won't ruin your life. It'll suck. It won't ruin your life though. But $30,000, considering a lot of Americans make less than $30,000, could be enough to bankrupt you. And I really need, I, I think they need to consider that, that this, um, having claims like this, it can be pretty terrifying. So they say that um, they, they're doing it because they, they know that um, people who are uh, having their, their works abused, um, they can get burdened down by the system. And, and it is true, the legal system is overwhelmed with these kind of things. And how, how do we deal with that? How, how does anybody deal with it? But um, the ACLU wrote in a letter opposing the bill, any system to enable easier enforcement of copyrights run the risk, the risk of creating a chilling effect with respect to our free speech online. So case they argue will create a copyright system that could be easily abused in the same way DMCA takedown notices can be, where they could be exploited in the same kind of bad faith actors that exploit the patent system to file lawsuits in search of settlements and payouts. Um, and it's true. I could totally see people doing this because they go, well, you know, I send this out to about a hundred different places, you know, even if one of them, fails to catch it, I could be getting $30,000. That's bonkers, bonkers. So it is uh, something that could uh, wreck people's lives. And um, it this bill has not been approved yet. I have to double check. Um, it needs approval from both the House and the Senate before it can become a law. Um, but it can there can be more to it than that. So case went through committee in both the Senate and the House earlier this year. So the version of the bill the House voted to accept on Monday is ready to go to the Senate floor for a vote. I'm not sure what date that's going to be. I haven't seen any update yet. So 
this would become a law. Um, it would create a copyright claims board under which rights owners could create claims against individuals. And instead of pursuing a jury trial, if someone feels their copyright has been infringed, they go through the claims board. And um, if you get 60 days respond, you don't get it, you pay. And um, you have to sit in front of the claims board. You need to be in front of at least two members of the claims board. It just, it's, it's really kind of heartbreaking. I could see how this can be abused. And I, I understand why they're doing it. I think they really want to make sure that things can move forward, but it is, it's enough to ruin lives. So I hope they at least reconsider it. That's bad. Oh, pardon me, folks. Oh, it's easy. Okay, I think we have time for one more. Let's see which one do I want to do. I've got way less time than I thought. Oh, yeah, we're going to do this one. Um, there is a watchdog group. This isn't seen yet. And um, I didn't mention this earlier, but a lot of my um, intellectual freedom news comes from the ALA Intellectual Freedom News blog. You could check it out and find out more if you want to see everything. There's so much good news. Um, good news, sometimes terrifying news. But um, the Fitbit one came from my husband, and I am really glad that he mentioned it because I hadn't heard it right away, and I, I knew I had to share it with you guys. Kind of interesting, you know, I always feel like I'm the tinfoil hat person in our household, and, you know, you say things enough, people, they know, like, what's important to you, and um, he pointed this out, and I thought that was pretty cool. So anyway, um... There's the watchdog, I feel a sneeze coming on. I'm sorry. Oh, just manage it, right? Um, there's a group called the Open Observatory Network Interference. It crowdsources internet con connectivity data from around the world. And Facebook, Facebook Manager Messenger, I can't talk, and the web version of WhatsApp were blocked after the initial outage in, um, where was this, in Toronto? No, this is uh, Ethiopia, um, Oleadis Abba uh, International Airport had a uh, ride hail car earlier this year. Um, one person couldn't pay their driver when he was riding into town, a state-controlled telecom shuttered internet access, rendering the app useless. So. What they did was they, um, when bad things happen, they shut down the internet. And I think they do it because they want to protect people. But in, in general, it's, it's kind of terrifying. So so the, the abbreviation for this group is OONI. And I think you should look more into that. It's one of a handful of efforts to measure global online censorship. Um, I think we need to have something that tracks it here as well. Um, and it's uh, volunteer groups that work with the organization to help uh, track down um, what information is being shut down, um, what kind of apps are stopped. Um, it wasn't always as blatant. Sometimes it's government targeting select websites or disabling videos or filtering images from news feeds. Um, it all adds up to censorship. So I think uh, 
the world's largest uh, democracy in India recently shut down the internet in Kashmir as the Hindu Nationalist Party that leads the country sought to impose more control over the Muslim, Muslim majority region. And then there's also subtle forms of censorship, like social media companies removing content or limiting its reach, um, YouTube performers, uh, human rights activists, even Donald Trump, President Donald Trump, who's among the conservatives who say policies employed by social media companies to fight fake news unfairly affects right-wing media. So there's a lot of censorship going on, right? And um, sometimes it seems like it's obvious because you can't get into things. And other times it's very subtle, like you get 404 error messages and weird pop-up windows. Um, things that are happening, you know, and they happen everywhere. So censorship means the content you can see online varies depending on where you are in the world. So what was interesting to me is I was thinking about this is like we do self-censorship um, by what we buy. Uh, librarians do it by not purchasing a book they think is, um, I don't know, too controversial um, or they just don't even think about it because they don't like the idea. And I've had lots of, um, Librarians have tried to get through and people argue with me that they don't think certain content should even be in the library because if there's a hate message associated with it. And I think that um, I hate hate messages, but I also think that sometimes talking about them and uh, having them be actually legitimately hate are, are two different things and people shut it down too just because they may not like some of the points of view in a book. It's quite terrifying. Um, so what what do they do? How do these uh, OONI, UNI, I'm going to call them UNI, just so if it's totally confusing, that's what it is. So the volunteers who work for this, it covers more than 200 countries. Um, they install the UNI probe app on their phones, tablets, computers. Um, there's a beta version that's available on all computers. The app pings a preset list of websites and records what gets sent back, discovering which websites are blocked, throttled, or redirected. How interesting, right? So the data comes in handy when internet users start noticing weird patterns. Um, they used the data from volunteers in 2016 to investigate reports on ongoing media censorship in Egypt. So what I think is it's kind of crowdsourcing um, being a watchdog of internet censorship, which I am totally think is a cool idea. Now, what gets used from that data, I don't know, like how, how secure is it? How safe is it? Um, that's interesting. But they, um, the online censorship, they say, isn't limited to block websites either. Social media sites also filter content from news feeds and chats. Like in China, they say social media companies are liable to the government for the content that appears on their platforms and have signed a pledge to monitor their services for politically object objectionable content, according to Human's Rights, Human Rights Watch and NGO. This leads to a system that strictly limits discussion of political topics. We don't want to live in a world where you can't talk about that. So companies filter from users' chats and news feeds, any images that could violate the government standards. Oh, 
Oh, there's a lot of people. Interesting. Okay. So there's a, I don't want to even go. One of the things I saw that was interesting in China, they had um, purged images of Winnie the Pooh and Tigger holding hand or walking by each other because people were making fun of uh, Chinese leader Xi Jinping because um, he looked like Winnie the Pooh. In the, they thought he looked kind of chum, chubby and short. And then they show him standing next to um, Barack Obama and he looks like Tigger because he's all happy and, and tall. So what they did was they took down the images and they filtered it. And they use um, WeChat automates image filtering. The company was updating processes in response to current events. And the filtering uh, wasn't linked, limited to the infamous tank man photos from the 1989 pro-democracy demonstrations of Tiananmen Square. It also included the current news events, such as the arrest of Hawaii uh, CFO Meng Wanzhou, Wanzhou, the U.S.-China trade war, and the 2018 U.S. midterm elections. So they're, they're purging Winnie the Pooh because he looked like the Chinese leader. And I mean, that's sort of ridiculous, right? Um, the, they're taking things down because they don't want to hurt, you know, their leader's feelings. And then there's, and they're blocking news from people. So what, where does it stop? What, you know, at what point are they going to make it? So they misinform everyone about everything. So they, they talk about the Syrian archive found that YouTube took down 180 channels containing hundreds of thousands of videos from Syria. Um, they had footage of destruction. And they said that a lot of it they did because of violence and, and that. But um, the platforms make become accidental archives, measuring of the reality that we actually live in. So we need to protect what's out there and and also i hope that we can archive some of the information that lives out in the internet in some way but we aren't going to be that lucky um what i think is interesting bottom line is i do think that having a way of tracking what the governments do in, in all the countries to um prevent freedom of expression and to show what kind of things they're blocking. I think that's useful. Now, it may be considered illegal in a lot of these countries, but um, when does it stop? When does our country start doing more of this? Um, we need to have a way of knowing when it's happening. And I always think back to, um, you know, like the FBI can always come in to a library at any time, public libraries usually, and ask for the records, uh, search records. And um, one of the things is you can't tell people it happened, but you could put up a sign that says, um, today the FBI has not um, looked at any of your records. And if the sign goes down, you know they have. I always thought that was kind of a ominous yet funny way of looking at it, that there are workarounds so where are our workarounds for making things happen? And I think that's pretty important. Okay.
So I think that's all the news I'm going to do today. Uh, we've had uh, a lot of technical weirdo kind of things happening. So, and I see like, it's weird. There's like tons of people that come in and just leave right away. It's kind of like wild. But what we're going to do is we're going to switch gears. Last week was one of my favorite holidays is Halloween. And I celebrated by eating lots of chocolate and watching scary movies and, uh, you know, like kind of freaking out a little bit. Um, hubby bought a box set of um, all the greatest monster movies that are um, they're released recently on uh, Blu-ray. So they're, um, what do you call it? Um, not reformatted. Um, made, made to look nice, whatever that's called. And um, high quality and so many, there we, there's no way we're ever going to get through them anytime soon. I think we'd have to retire them now and start watching just movies nonstop, which I'm okay with. Let me tell you, if I could retire now and just like live a life of leisure and just talk to you guys, you know, whenever I felt like it, that'd be awesome. But no money and all that stuff. Yay. But um, it was, I love, I love watching scary movies and um, preparing for my NaNoWriMo book. Um, I'm doing a theme of uh, cosmic horror. And you know what cosmic horror is? Uh, it is uh, like Cthulhu, you know that? Lovecraftian. Uh, have you ever seen the movie The Thing, where you got creepy monsters that are a little bit unexplained and things in nature, like Annihilation? There's lots and lots of examples of cosmic horror. And I have, I don't think I've ever written cosmic horror before. So I've um, doing a little bit of research and learning about it. And that is what I've been working on for my outline. So cosmic horror is new to me and it's a new scary scare. So, and, and even now the way I write is way more sunshine and positive. That is going to be probably the happiest cosmic horror ever trying to darken it up. And that's part of my problem why I'm so far behind on writing, but my other love in horror is I love you know, I like, I love the Wolfman. I love zombies. Zombie was always my favorite. Um, like day, you know, night of the living dead, dawn of the dead, day of the dead, you know, scary stuff. Dawn of the dead. I loved that's the one where they're in the shopping mall. So much fun. See people when they turn into zombies, keep doing what they were like kind of on autopilot, what they did all the time anyway. I probably at the library working, like walking around trying to shelve books or something. I don't know. Like, would you do that? I mean, like, where do you think you would be if you turned into a zombie? What would you be doing over and over? I mean, that's kind of nuts. So my most favorite horror creature is vampires. And that's what I was going to talk about last week. So I'm going to talk about it this week with y'all. Um, I was watching a show this year, not too long ago called, uh, what we do in the shadows. And I love that show so much. It's, it's like, they don't make it too sweet. They make it dark enough, but they, they're lovable. All of them, all the vampires, even though they 
pretty much drink people and kill them and they laugh about it and in a way if you just looked at it like a real person and you don't have like that like they say funny quips you would be horrified but they the thing with vampires and vampire stories is they're charming as hell and there's a sexual undertone to all vampire stories that I think will always make it so people everywhere fall in love with vampires. Why? They're sexy. They're interesting. They lived long lives and yet somehow they find you interesting enough to, you know, want to know more about you. Why the hell would somebody who's 200 years old be interested in somebody who's 20, you know? Like you haven't lived enough of this life to be interesting, but somehow you are. And everyone has that little piece inside of them that is just um, a little bit too big for your britches where you think that, yes, somebody would think I'm fascinating. I think that's kind of cool. What the heck? Why not? So I've been watching the What We Do in the Shadows. I mean, I have so many... You know, I mean, everybody has that. Remember, like Twilight, people like read all the books, and then the movies were a little bit ridiculous, but people love them. I love the Bram Stoker's uh, Dracula that had Gary Oldman. He was so awesome, and uh, Keanu Reeves was in it, and he was very airhead. I don't know, and I think that man's super handsome. Um, Winona Ryder is in it. I love that movie. Every every so often I watch it again and again, and I'm just like, yes, I love that movie. Um, I think about God, what was that one? George Hamilton, um, where they were disco dancing in the 70s. I mean, there's just like every it our current culture kind of comes to a head, and we have new interpretations of vampires. And then every once in a while you get something like Nosferatu, where they're uh, primal, gross looking vampires, which I think is so cool. Or uh, Let the Right One In, uh, where it's children as vampires. How terrifying is that? And, and if you watch that, watch, I think it's, is it Swedish or Norwegian? I think Swedish. Watch that original one. Don't watch the American version. It makes me sad not a bad it's not that bad it's just the original is so much better the way they shot it and it was a little bit more gruesome somehow like there's always sexual themes to vampires and even with children i think it makes everyone very uncomfortable but when you have someone who is turned into a vampire and they're ancient but they're still look like children it's terrible for people to to imagine that so back to what we do in the shadows there is a thing that i think is very interesting in it that um, they talk about regular vampires and drinking blood and in my life god i should have looked this up again um there's a i've met people who consider themselves real life vampires and um I'm, there's one i went to a pagan conference um Oh, what was her name? Michelle Bellinger, something like that. Let's see if it comes up. Bellinger. And she was on a TV show called, um, where was it? Oh, I'm trying to think. Um, Paranormal State. It's been a few years. Now, Paranormal 
Colorado State was one of those where it was college students looking for ghosts and stuff, but they had um, demon hunters and vampires. It was totally like off the hook, like all different directions. And they had a witch on it. And I thought, wow, this is like interesting. And, and yet it like kind of jumped the shark in a lot of ways. But anyway, so Michelle Bellinger came to this conference I went to and she is a self-described vampire and she also says she's a psychic vampire and she wrote a book called the psychic vampire codex and they also say the black veil which i haven't read and she's also into kind of kink so interesting person i didn't get to talk to her personally i mean she was kind of rushed around in her own little um entourage so i got to see her very up close see and i heard her talk a little bit she's a very interesting person she's from ohio of all places you know like vampire century but um what i thought got out of that and was very interested in wasn't um you know some people like it the vampire stuff for the culture for you know the goth dressing and um looking beautiful and elegant and, and disaffected and um but i got out of that and i thought was really interesting was that there's this whole world of energy vampires and what we do in the shadows actually was one of the first shows i've ever seen that actually has a psychic energy vampire now in the show what we do in the shadows they have um god what's his name i'm gonna have to look that up um let's see what we do in the shadows i'm just gonna like look it up while i talk um my brain kind of blanks out every so often colin robinson okay colin robinson works in an office and he wears beige all the time and he loves to either infuriate people by um making them mad about stuff or boring them and he drinks their energy out of the air you know it's not like biting something and drinking blood he takes energy from people and he um there in the show he one of the interesting things he says is that he could also take energy from regular vampires too so they can be around him and all of a sudden they're like exhausted and sleeping and i don't i want to know more about that so i i've done some research on it and um, you know you always have uh, different kinds of opinions on what it is, and they say there are people who try to get you to argue with them or um, fight, cry, and they always seem so happy about it. And it, is it because they're um, sociopaths or whatever, or maybe they're psychic vampires? But I also believe that um, that is sort of a misnomer that people think that energy vampires are always just trying to create drama because they enjoy that i think that from what i've read psychic vampires can pull energy in different ways um they create intense relationships with people and um i think there's i always believe that there's kind of like a little bit of energy like a web that ties all of us together and i think that's quite interesting that maybe they tap into that and maybe they kind of pull out of the energy out of you from that um one of the things i believe is that um some of them pull from nature 
and from energy that's like from plants. A lot of them will go out into nature and they get recharged. And you often hear people go, I went out into the woods and I had a campfire and I just felt great because I got in touch with nature. Maybe that's kind of a form of it, you know? I mean, I don't think that it's a monstrous ability. I think it's something that kind of makes sense and some people may be wired differently. So I think there may be explanations to it that are less spiritual and more maybe how we actually hook into the universe. Who knows? But um, another one I saw was um, sometimes they can pull from the, the atmosphere. Like if you're at a concert, there's like lots of energy in the room, sexual and people into the music. And it's like floating in the air, they say. And so they pull from that. Um, and they say it's very similar to the drinking of blood by vampires because the the blood that's drunk um, is sort of symbolic because really humans, if, if you're really a, a human drinking blood, you would get very sick if you drank too much. But the, the idea is that you make this connection to the energy and you pull it into yourself. If there are real vampires, like the monsters in the in the movies and that sort of thing, in the books, they might be, um, they, it may be more of a spiritual thing. You know, they always say, oh, that's like, is it, is it a disease? Is it a spiritual thing? Which I always think is interesting when you look at different interpretations of monsters, like zombies. It's usually two reasons. One is that there's too many dead in hell and the, you know, those have died or walking the earth again because there's no more room in heaven and hell. So all the spirits are sent back and they keep walking. Um, the other was that it's a disease. So it's always like different ways of looking at it, like science versus uh, religion. And, and then, you know, like when any uh, kind of creature where you have the undead that they walk again, it's always something like you cut off their head or you um, stab them in the heart, you burn them. Always the same kind of thing. There's not a lot of difference, even even with magic. It's not like you can, um, it's not like they could just like go, oh, I turn you from undead. I've like magicked you out of it. It always seems like a simple solution, no matter what. But energy vampires are supposed to be like regular humans. Do they live forever? No. It seems like they, um, the things I've read said that they live longer. Um, if they learn how to control their abilities, which a lot of them never understand what they really are, um, they can use their power to heal themselves. Um, if you ever heard of uh, Reiki, um, like energy healing, uh, they say that uh, spiritual vampires, um, psychic vampires can actually learn how to take bad energy off of people and they can eat it and it doesn't hurt them in any way, but they can heal. So I thought that was pretty fascinating too. And it's just, uh, there, there are different ways that they can connect with you. And I, and I thought over the years, vampires are one of my favorite, um, kind of ideal because even though they're monsters, they, you know, they're still themselves in some way. And 
there's part of me that loves like werewolves because of like you go throughout the day as a normal human and then like once a month you turn into a crazy monster i think that appeals to me as like a woman just because like and do i turn into a crazy monster once a month maybe but vampires that eternal life thing it's very powerful and and like werewolves and vampires are always seem to be opposed to each other but equally powerful in some ways um, like the werewolves are shown to be strong enough to be able to kill the vampires so the vampires are a little terrified of them they can't use mind control on werewolves werewolves however are dumb and primal so they are not always so thoughtful about how they fight vampires so I, i'm pretty fascinated by that and i think that a lot of people don't know what psychic vampires are and that they could be like a, the most possible real vampires that exist in our world and i'd like to think that maybe they like things like vampires exist and you know i i read so much i read so much period um that sometimes you think you know like if it's a disease you could see something like um have you ever read the stand by stephen king where the a disease kind of wipes out most of a population and what's left um why why are those people left what why did the disease pass them up and the same with vampires what what about vampires made them the chosen and uh psychic vampires whereas a a real like a regular vampire is bitten and turned whereas they could bite some people and drain them of life and not turn them a psychic vampire is born there's no rhyme or reason to it. So I think there's a lot more enchanting uh, stories that could come from psychic vampires. And I'd like to see more of that. Energy vampires, psychic vampires, spiritual vampires. There are all so many different names. Um, what can you do to protect yourself against vampires? Because um, a lot of people out there, they feel like they're parasitic. Um, they they want to leech off of you. Um, there are ways um, of building mental barriers. I would read up on it on Google um, or, or meet people that are do energy work and say, how do you protect yourselves from people draining you too much? And um, I think one of the ways I visualized it was like an egg, like a wall around you, an egg of um, light that protects you. And if you. I think if you visualize it and you also kind of feel like if something's draining you, you push it away, you push it with your mind. And I think you, um, you work at that and you can, you can learn to block a lot of bad energy from people. And there are people who I think unintentionally are parasites and you need to protect yourself from them. So do you have any vampires in your life, real or what you think might be a vampire? Uh, send me a note, send me a note on, uh, my facebook uh, liberty librarian page and i might connect you to some resources that could help you out i think there's a lot of good that we can do um and i don't think there anything to be totally afraid of because like i said you can always block and learn how to make a shield and if you can do that you can protect yourself against a lot of evil in the world um and i think it's good to understand the energy around you that's my my big woo thing of the day 
Now, how does that tie into elections? I don't have a lot of time left, but I feel like elections, um, tomorrow's election day, and I'm really kind of bummed because election day here, we don't have anything to vote on, so there's no election. So I don't have to do anything, I guess. And I, I'm like, on one hand, I'm like, yay, I don't have to do that crap. But I kind of felt like, what, I was ready to? There's nothing? Nothing, yes. But I think elections are kind of like vampires <laughs> in that um, it's constant um, picking at you. And um, it's like the parasitic trying to um, get you mad about stuff to psych you up, to pull your energy into it. And um, then you start saying stuff to your friends and your family and you, um, you work everyone into a tizzy. And then um, there are some of those people that are just so happy when they've gotten everyone really angry. And I wonder if those people are kind of psychic vampires or if the elections themselves are run by people who are psychic vampires that are just amping up the anxiety and the anger in the air until it's at a fever pitch, especially presidential election years. Those are crazy. And then unleashing it. And I'm sure like there's got to be people who are psychic vampires running around on election day just feeling like they're fat, like they just had a feast. So I, and I, I feel like they're going to go hungry tomorrow and where I live anyway, because there's no election stuff. So I don't know. I, I mean, like, should I feel bad for them? I'm not gonna. I'm kind of, I'm glad I don't have to go run out early in the morning and go vote. But it's kind of like, I feel like I'm not doing my civic duty if I'm not at least putting my opinions to something, right? So I'm going to do them here. That's how I can get around that. So elections are kind of a vampire. They, they suck your brain. They suck your soul. And hopefully you get some people that are elected that um, do some good so you don't have to feel that constant stress. But if they elect the wrong people, maybe it's like a year long thing where they can slowly pull at you and take little pieces of your soul every day, which that sounds bleak, right? But maybe not. Maybe it's maybe it's good for us. Maybe we pent up too much negative and we got to get it out. We just throw it all up in the air and go, yeah, get it all out there. And then the rest of the year, we're all like, oh, complacent and relaxed because we got all the bad stuff out. Maybe that's maybe that's the intent of it. So let me know what you think. Are vampires and uh, elections and all of that the the political system, is it a type of vampire? That's something I've been thinking about. It's so weird, I know. But I am so glad that I was able to talk to y'all today. And I'm really glad that it worked out. I see like some people actually tried calling in. So that's way better. I, I see that we're gonna get it, we're gonna get the system to work. Once I can get Zeno to link up. Um, we're going to be having a lot more fun with this. And um, I tell you, I'm thinking about doing a sideshow where I can do like a face-to-face -face live stream. So um, that might be coming soon too. I set up a YouTube channel and I'm looking at maybe doing Facebook Live every now and then. Although, my God, who wants to look at me? I don't know. Um, I like talking. So, hey, that's cool. But I hope uh, 
over the next few weeks, we can get everything to work out. And um, if you have any ideas of ways to improve, let me know. Um, I'm sorry about like all the technical stuff in this episode and where we're testing stuff out, but you're part of it. Don't you feel like you're part of something big that's growing and going to be brand new and we're going to grow from here. And then someday down the road, 10 years, we'll be like, wow, remember when we first started out, how different it is? I mean, that's so exciting. So we're just going to go. It's only up from here, kids, right? I hope you have a great week. I'm so glad we got to talk. I'm glad that this is recording. I see it's recording. So um, I'm hopeful that we can keep this going. You have a wonderful day. And I will talk to you next Monday. Have a good one. Bye, guys. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.